Well, we are going to wrap up our series on love today. And what we're going to do is focus on one simple scripture that we'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now today, we're going to do a little, some stuff a little bit different today. So I want to encourage you to have uh, your Bible out on your phone or your physical Bible, whatever you use this morning. Have that in front of you just so you can kind of participate in what we're going to do. We're going to have a little bit more audience participation, if you will, or congregational participation than we typically do. But 1 Corinthians, none of the Scripture is going to be in the computer, so David and them don't have to worry about that this morning, and we're just going to trust the Lord with all that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14 is what we're going to look at today. How many of you, and it's okay if you don't raise your hand, I would be one of those, are, are, um, are not good at verse memorization? Okay? Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? But it's important. You know, if we can memorize Scripture, the Bible says if we, Psalm 119.11, the very first one that I memorized, Thine word have I hidden my heart that I, will, that I may not sin against thee. So if we hold on to some things, okay, it's good, but it's difficult. But this is one that I would say maybe we could start with. If you haven't memorized one, or maybe beyond John 3.16, right? Almost everybody, it seems like, can, can quote that one. But beyond John 3.16, 1 Corinthians 16.14, it's simple, but it's very profound, especially when it comes to love. <clears throat> and this is what it says, 1 Corinthians 16.14, this is out of the English Standard Version, which is what I've been using here lately, says this, let all that you do be done in love. Simple sentence. I think we can memorize that. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. So let's say that with me. We could probably have this memorized before you even walk out into the parking lot today, right? 1 Corinthians 16, 14, say that. All right, you weren't ready for me, were you? Let's try it again. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. First Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. Just like Dennis delivering coffee to me, there's probably no greater expression. Thank you, son. Let all that you do be done in love. First Corinthians 16, 14. Right. Let all that you do be done in love. It's simple, but it's profound because what are the things that you do? What do you do all week long? If you're like me, it's hard to even kind of recount the day sometimes. But you have to stop and think, what are you doing during the week? What are the things that you do? We automatically kind of jump to our job, you know, the routines that we have in life. There are all kinds of things that we do <clears throat> during the week. And the second question then is, can you say that all of those things that you have done have been done in love? Brad's back there automatically shaking his head no. Let all that you do be done in love. If we have that perspective, if we put those shades on of life, if you will, that we would do everything in love, 
Imagine how different your week would be. It's a very simple verse, but it's a very convicting verse too, isn't it? Did I do this in love? How do I do this particular thing in love? What we're going to do today, we're going to come back to that, but that simple little verse, it's profound, and it makes you stop and question your motives. What would your life look like if you did that? Of course, our greatest example will always be Christ. Our greatest example will always be the Lord who, as we see from, from Genesis to Revelation, shows us what love is. The Bible actually says that God is love. So love is found in here, how we deal with every aspect of life, how we love the way that He loves. We can see example after example in here. Has everything we've done this week been done in love? Well, let's, what I want us to do today is we're going to kind of look at a smorgasbord of Scripture, okay? I want us to, to wrap up this session on love, kind of looking at some, some key verses on love, and then we're going to have an opportunity to kind of have you speak out a little bit, okay? <clears throat> so, first one, and we'll see if you can quote it, if you do have this memorized. John 3.16, who wants to tackle it? Go ahead, man. That's right. Great verse. And one of those things about that verse, sometimes we kind of need to slow down and take it in again, right? Almost for like the first time. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his son so we could have everlasting life. So we could have that, our lives with him reconnected. We understand what love and life is really all about. He loved us so much that he, he, gave, that he, gave, he gave his son. There's sacrifice involved in love, isn't there? Sacrifice is a huge part of love and putting, putting some, someone else above yourself. How good are you at doing that? Thinking about that, that passage we're talking about here and 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. How good are you at putting others in front of yourself? Does anybody have a story? And don't worry about being prideful or whatnot. Does anyone have a story this week of putting someone else above themselves? You're like, oh, gosh, no, man, don't make me talk. Is it really that bad? No one has one story of putting someone else above themselves. We really need this sermon then, don't we? Need to remember. Yeah, it's convicting. Are we putting others above ourselves? Now, you don't have to be hard on yourselves. I'm not asking for a big missionary type story, you know. You didn't feel like cooking dinner, and so you cooked instead. You're, you're some, you know, you know, but you did it anyway. Or you know, give me something. Does anybody have a story of putting someone above yourself? Please, yes. Okay. Awesome. Great example. Because typically on a Saturday morning. What do you want to do? <laughs> At least what I want to do is sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
And so to get up and to go in and to, and to be with those folks in nursing home, definitely. That's putting them above yourself, putting them above your sleep and the things that you would rather possibly do sometimes on a Saturday. But it is a blessing. You're right. It's a huge blessing. Um, if you haven't been, if you haven't gone, you know, you'll, you'd be surprised at just what it feels like to be a part of them. Um, we have, uh, check out the Facebook page, by the way. Um, yeah, no, not for, um, uh, JoJo's on there singing Jesus Loves Me with, at the nursing home. So if you want to have your heart melt, okay, go and, and check that out. All right, so let's look at another passage. Get your Bibles ready or get your, your clickers on your phone, all right? Colossians 3, 14. Colossians 3, 14. Who's got it? Okay. Read it again nice and loud and, and slow. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Okay. And that passage of Scripture is talking about a lot of characteristics that should be in our life. But above all these, put on love. Which does what? Binds everything together in perfect harmony. Binds everything together in perfect harmony or perfect unity. Okay? When everything that we do is done in love, okay, if love is there, then there's a unifying factor that comes as a result of love. Is there, is there a part of your life, people that you deal with, people even within your home, that you need some unity. All right, this is, this is not going to be a one-way sermon today, okay? So, so I'm asking you, yes, nod your head, say, yeah, here's an example, okay? This is, this is more like a Sunday school, if you will, if, that's, if that'll help you, okay? Talk back to me today. Is there an area of your life during the week you need unity, Give me an example. Where do you need unity? Okay, thank you. That's the most obvious one, right? Husband and wife relationships. <laughs> there has to be unity there, right? Without unity, you got to look at it the opposite way, right? Uh, there, there's, it's difficult for that, for that love to be maintained. Unity has to be a part. Above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect unity. Love is a binding force. It's a unifying force, okay? That's why you see, you see examples where people talk about when, if relationships are going to be stronger, this triangle where God's at the top, right? And you see man and wife on the opposite sides, and the closer they get to God and they travel up the triangle, the closer they get to each other. When God's at the center, when love's at the center, it's a unifying force force. It's a unifying person. It's not a force, okay? It bring, he brings people together in perfect harmony. Let's look at another one. <clears throat> John 15, 13. Brad, I'm just going to call on you because I, I see the, the thumb moving. So John 15, 13.
No greater love than this. And someone lay down his life for his friends. We're talking about sacrifice again. Let's go on to another one. 1 Peter 4.8. Someone new, give me 1 Peter 4, 8. Okay, one more time, a little louder, a little slower. Right, and, and charity is another word scriptural word for love, okay? Be fervent in love, and it says that love, and we shared this verse over the last couple of weeks, love covers a multitude of sins, right? There are things that you overlook, you just let go of because you love each other, right? Problem is, think of the opposite of that. If you hold on to things, you continue to, to, to latch on to things that someone has done, Love can't grow when there's things between you, when there's this, this bitterness that, that's harbored in any kind of relationship, husband and wife, friends, co-workers, whatever it is, those things have to let go. So it says love covers a, a multitude of sins. If you let things go, if you allow love to unify you, what, what an awesome thing that is. All right, we're going to look at another one here. This is a really key passage today. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. I'm going to turn there in my Bible as well. <clears throat> I just want you to have that one in front of you, and I'm going to read it. Mark chapter 12, verses Actually, going to back up a little bit here. In verses 28, it says this. This is the context. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? They asked Jesus, Which commandment out of all these things is the most important? And it says, Jesus answered, The most important is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. No other commandment greater than these. Of all the things that God says, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that's written here in 66 books, it all boils down to this. <clears throat> so let's look at it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. See the unifying force of God, okay? And you shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength, heart, soul, mind, strength, that is literally every part of who you are, isn't it? Love God with all that you are. Some of us might 
sometimes love God with all our minds. We know a lot of stuff, but are we loving Him with our heart and our soul? Are we putting our strength into it? Are we doing something about it? Sometimes we kind of lean into maybe one category or the other. But to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all that we are is what He calls us to do, isn't it? Everything that we are. And this is put first because after this, if this is done right, think about it. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other greater commandment, there's no other commandment greater than these. If you love God, you understand what it means to love God, and God is in his proper place, loving your neighbor is going to come naturally. And your neighbor is, is who? It's everybody, isn't it? It truly is everybody, starting with, with your wife on out. Everybody. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, one of the things that the Bible says that we don't do very often, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What that means is, and, and Brad and I were talking about this the other day, there's also, there's power in your testimony. There's power in the things that, that God has done in your life, and it's important that we hear from each other about those things. I want you to begin to think of the reasons this morning that you love the Lord. I want you to think about the things that He's done for you. I want you to think about that as I get ready to read some scripture here in a moment. But I want you to think about that because I want to give you the opportunity this morning just to, just to share a couple of items of praise to God. Some reasons why you love him. Some, some reasons why you're, you're thankful for him. Okay? So let that stew in a minute. Okay? The reason that's important, I want, I want to share this with you. If you were reading through, um, I know some of us are reading through the New Testament. Some of us are, are reading through the entire uh, Bible as well, which is cool. There's a section in Numbers that um, is actually on today's reading for me. And I know for Diane as well on the plan that we're using. And this is a, a passage of Scripture that talks about the, the Israelite people as they're about to go into the promised land. God has done so many things for them, brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of their slavery, provided for them on a daily basis the food that they needed to eat. He's removed their enemies from them, and he's getting ready to take them into the promised land. The land that is literally kind of described as, as flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect land. It's a perfect blessing of God. And so they, they get ready to go into to the land, and God says to Moses, go ahead and get some of your leaders together. And go ahead and send them into this land to spy it out. Get them to go check it out. See what it looks like. See what the people are like. Kind of get a taste for the land. And you know what? Even bring back 
bring back some of the fruit of the land. Bring us a report of what you see. And so they did go into the land, and they brought back a report. The land was, was amazing. Just as God had described, the fruit of the land, for example, was so amazing that it says one cluster of grapes had to be carried on a pole. It's pretty incredible. Have you seen a cluster of grapes lately? You know, you go to the grocery store, you might get in a little bag like this, but you don't need no pole to carry that. Two people carrying one cluster of grapes on a pole. God had great things in store for Israel. But God says this, you know, if you're going to go in and take this land of milk and honey, this this great abundant promise that I have prepared for you, you've got to take a step of faith now and go into this land and do as I say. But what happens in this particular passage in Numbers is that 10 out of the 12 come back and they say, yeah, it's a great land, but man, the people that live there just, you know, I don't... They're stronger than we are. They're bigger than we are. There's no way that we can, we can take this land. They stir up all the nation of Israel. They say even the, the sons of Anak live there, which basically they, they were considered giants, like, you know, the, the people that I guess David would have faced, you know, going in with a sling. The big dudes, you know, eight, nine feet tall in, in this case against David, but they had a reputation, these sons of Anak. They just grow them big out there in Texas, you know, whatever it is. The big guys are there. And so they come back, and all of the crowd, all of, of Israel is stirred up. How big is Israel at this time? Over 600,000 people, over half a million people that have been carting around in the desert. I want to read this to you, Numbers 14. It's not on the screen, so just listen close. It says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to him, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let's just forget this plan altogether and just go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. These were the two guys who were full of passion and love for the Lord. So there's nothing that is going to stand in God's way. They said, only don't rebel against the Lord. and Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. I like that. They're bread to us. We will eat them up. 
It says, their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. We're going to eat them like bread. The Lord has removed their protection. He is with us. It's a key principle in Scripture. You cannot have the blessings of God without having trust in Him to receive them. If you have no faith in God, you cannot receive the blessings from God. All this talk that we've had over now the last four weeks, there is no way that we can truly love the way God tells us to love unless we indeed trust Him in faith. I don't think I can reach out in faith and, and, and love this person at work or things at home just you know, seem impossible. There's no way I'm going to ever be able to love this person, to forgive this person, to move on, to move forward. There is no blessing from God without faith and trust in Him. Israel is standing on a precipice here where they have the opportunity to go into the land and to live in a place, a beautiful place full, it says, of milk and honey with fruit that hangs between a pole and, and beautiful land. Everything that God has promised for a long time is right in front of them. But for a lack of faith, for a lack of trust, they're about to miss it. And they're wanting to go back to slavery. Why? would you choose chains over blessing? And Joshua and Caleb are trying to keep them focused, keep their eye on the prize. But they don't listen. In verse 10 it says, Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. They didn't want to hear that message. We're not going to put up with Joshua and Caleb. Just go ahead and stone them. You're thinking, what in the world is going on? Where have you been, Israel? Have you already forgotten what God's done? They didn't want to hear it from Joshua and Caleb. They wanted to stone them. But it says, this moment, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. They're grumbling, and then God shows up. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? How long? Somebody tell me right now, just spit them out, some of the things God had done up to this point. What had he done? What had he done? He parted the Red Sea. What else? What? All the plagues. Give me them, some of them individually. Locusts? Locusts, toads. No, it's cool. It's just. Darkness? Water to blood? What else? The firstborn. You're on it. Firstborn uh, passed away in the, in the first Passover. What did you say? They were smote? <laughs> they were smited. Boils. What's that? Hail, okay? Hail that came down. Gnats, okay? All this amazing and incredible display. And when you said darkness, what I love about that particular thing, and there was a couple of times that God did this, there was darkness in all the land of Egypt except for one place. 
You've heard me share this before. Goshen. Goshen was where? Who lived there? The Israelites lived in Goshen. So I'd love to have seen a satellite picture of Egypt during this time with darkness and then what, you know, this bright beam of, of Goshen. Why was it that way? Because God was taking care of his people. He was distinguishing his people among the rest of the people of Egypt. And so here he is saying, what in the world do I have to show you for you to trust me? I am literally about to give you everything that I've promised. And you want to go back to Egypt. You want to stone Joshua and Caleb, which is kind of the equivalent of Billy Graham at the time for the nation of Israel. Joshua was one of those guys that when Moses went into the tent of meeting to meet with God where the, the glory of God came down, he would just hang outside the tent. Because that's all he was allowed to do. He wanted to get as close to God as he possibly could. This was a guy who was on fire for Jesus, for, for the Lord, for the Jesus to come, okay? At the time in the Old Testament, he was full of passion and they were ready to stone him. If you're God, how do you feel? What's that? Yeah, more than that. So God shows up. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and then disinherit them. And I'll make of you into a nation greater, greater and mightier than they. We're going to start over and just begin with you, Moses. But Moses said to the Lord, Well, then the Egyptians will hear of it. <clears throat> if you have brought this people in your might from among them, they will tell the inhabitants of this land that they have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say it's because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them, and he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please, let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And look what the Lord says. The Lord said, I have, I have pardoned, because you asked me, Moses, right? Of pardon according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. By the way, that's the number one thing that's going to happen one day. That all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. It's a promise in one of the prophets where it says that the one day that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Pretty awesome. He says this, but none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness 
and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it, except for my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, that I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. As this goes on, <clears throat> what the Lord says is this generation that saw all these things that I did. Imagine all the plagues we just talked about. Seeing the Red Sea part. Seeing in, while they were in the, the desert, God providing manna, which was a, a form of bread from heaven, literally is what it means. Well, manna, actually the word means what is it? <laughs> Because the Israelites, what is this stuff? But it was bread from heaven that actually had a sweet taste of honey to it. God provides bread. He provides water. They're at this place where they can't drink, and he tells Moses, take, your, take the staff that I've given you, the one that you know you drop it and turns into a snake. Take that one, bang against the rock, and water comes gushing out. They've seen all these things. But they still chose not to trust in God. And so what happens here during this time in the Old Testament, it says everyone that was above the age of 20, all the adults, in other words, right, said, you know what, you're, you're not going to enter the promised land. You're going to wander around in the desert for 40 years until all of you die in the desert. It's, all, it's not going to be you that sees the promises I've made. It's going to be your children because you refuse to trust me. You refused to believe me even after all the things that I had shown you. I just, after reading that this morning, just had to bring that up because when it comes to anything that we talk about as a church, everything that we talk about requires faith and trust in the Lord. If we're trying to be a loving people, we're trying to learn to love the way that Jesus loves. We have to trust, as we mentioned last week, the Holy Spirit of God. We have to have faith that God means what He says. We have to have faith to take the first step knowing that God's going to follow through. God's going to help me in every scenario to love the way that He's called me to. For us to love as a church, for us to love as individuals, to love for, for husbands and wives to love each other, for, that, for the love for, for the people that you work with, for your other family members, whoever they might be, where it seems impossible to love this person or that person, to get along with this person or that person, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the God that parts the Red Sea, the God that brings water from a rock, that brings bread from heaven, we can trust Him, and we can Love through the power of the Spirit of God. Everything that we face as believers boils down to truly trusting Him. You may not have walked with the Israelites and seen the things that they'd seen. You may have just read about them like I have. But I guarantee you that if you truly stop and you look back, that you've had your own Red Sea kind of moments. You've had your own times where God has been faithful in your life. 
times that He has come through, times that He has walked with you. But I would encourage you to look back to those times as well as His people and to remember that He's with us now. He loves you now just as much as He did then. He's just as powerful now as He was then. I want us to sing another song, and uh, we've got lyrics for this one. And what I'm going to do, uh, we're going to sing through this song. I'm going to just set my mic right up here in the Bible. And as we, after we, actually I'm going to put someone else's mic up here. How about Diane's? Just realize I'm going to need that. <laughs> check, check. We're going to sing, and I want to give you an opportunity to remember. I want to give you an opportunity to come up here and just to simply share one of those Red Sea moments in your life where God was with you in the past, something he did for you. To you, it may not seem as big as the Red Sea, but it's something that God did for you. It was a way that he showed himself faithful, a way that he took care of you, a way that he did something for you, Okay? It is to remind you, number one, and it is to encourage the rest of the congregation this morning. So give me 10 more minutes, okay? Well, let's stand. And now's your opportunity. It says, your praise will ever be on my lips. What's something that God, come on up, take the microphone and share with us one of those moments that God was with you. As simple as simple can be. Anything. I don't share this with many people. I'm 69. In my 20s, um, I grew up in church loving Jesus, but I went on my path making my choices. But just like Rainy was singing, God always it's with you and holds you close. Um, in my 20s, I was raped at gunpoint, and I was living in sin. Not the life that God would have for me, but at the time, I didn't say thank you, Jesus, for letting me live, but when I started living my life for Jesus, I look back and I see that God let me live. He kept me in my right mind that I wouldn't you know, like just go crazy or, or whatever. He kept me healthy physically, and I know that God took me to that, and I thank you for it. Yeah. Who's next? <coughs> no microphone for me, sorry, but hear me okay? Yeah. Um, some of you may know me, some of you don't. Um, I'm a humble servant of Jesus Christ. This morning, I have a revelation of thankfulness. I, I get up every morning, most mornings, and read a call to five. It's a meditation after you know, worshiping God. And this morning, it was on thankfulness. I'll read you the verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. I always thank my God for you and 
for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. For him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Uh, I was saved when I was seven years old, uh, but kind of got away in the years. Um, God's been very, very Something with your body or elements that just doesn't ever seem like it's going to go away, like a you know, bum knee or a shoulder or something. Um, I've had a few of those, and each time God has healed me. So um, I've, we kind of got a discussion the other night about healing and stuff. And some people don't feel like it's you know, for them or whatever. Um, and I'm not going to stand here and preach about healing or whatever. But the, um, the doctor told me that I needed to retire from the fire department. Anybody else want to share? Just anything God's done for you. There might be some things that are ever-present on your mind, and there might be some other stuff that we've forgotten about. I kind of wonder if that's, you know... One of the things about Israel that we see is they were a very forgetful people. It's amazing how quickly we forget the things that God has done. But it's important that we do what we're doing right now 
we don't always have to do it as a, as a congregation, but individually that you stop and you continue to remember things that God has done. You remember how he's been with you in the past and how he'll be with you in the future. Today, what I want to really encourage you to do is to take some, some time today, take some time this week and think through, ask God to bring to remembrance what some of those things are. If you're having a hard time today kind of thinking through, you know, say, Lord, I know you've been there for me. Bring to my remembrance those things so that I will have all the more reason to praise you today. Let's make a habit of remembering the great things that, that God has done. Let's pray, okay? Lord Jesus, today is your, is your church. We, Lord, we thank you for how you've been with us. Lord, it's been quite an amazing adventure uh, as your church. And Lord, we thank you for how you have been faithful. Lord, it's our desire as your church, Lord, to glorify you. Lord, to make a difference, to reach others for your name's sake. Lord, that they would know you. That they know what life is like in your presence. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for continually showing your love and your grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us today. And Lord, as we go through this week, to just remember those times that you've been with us. Lord, nothing's too little for you or too big. Lord, there are all those moments that for the things you've done for us are, are just as important. But Lord, bring them to our minds. And Lord, let us truly just praise you and worship you for all that you've done. We love you. We thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...